Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Good, good, more or less. All right, good, good. You know, I remember the first year I stepped into ministry. I was about 20, 21 years old, right? And I was, you know, when, whenever you're 20, 21, you're super ambitious. You get excited. Um, and at that time, I was, ex- I was hyped, right? Just went through a big dip in my life. And then God just pulled me out. And you're just like, yeah, Jesus, right? And I wanted to see how God was going to use me. And I remember it was during a youth retreat. I was a leader. I uh, just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit so much in my life at the time. And I turned to my friend and I said to him, yo, bro, I think God wants me to go to your church and serve as the youth pastor. And he turns to me and he gives me a hard look and says, bro, what are you talking about? I'm the youth pastor. I was like, I know, I know. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to take your job, but I think God is calling me there. And he was like, are you sure? Do you have any idea what kind of church our church is? I was like, no, but God is calling me. See, my old church was notorious for, uh, let's just say staff members not lasting a long time. Um, my old lead pastor, he was on the tougher end of the spectrum when it came to lead pastors. He was the kind of type that said, I don't want none of your crap. This is how we do it, and we, we, and we do it well. And so he, he was a tough boss. I ain't going to lie. He was a tough boss. I walked in, and it was like, wow, wow. And I remember jumping into that first year of ministry telling my friend, I feel like God is calling me. And he's like, okay, sure, go ahead, shoot your shot, right? So I applied, I got the job, I stepped into ministry. Um, And what I didn't realize is that how, or rather what kind of state that situation I was really jumping into. Uh, My friend at the time was running multiple ministries at the time. And it was a lot for him. And so me taking on the youth pastoral position was a great deal of help. But when I walked into that first day, I walked into that sanctuary in the Korean church. Um, the youth group actually doesn't sit in service like with all of us as a family. They actually have their own separate service. And so if the adults would come into their adult service, the, the way kids men would go into their kids men, the youth group would go into their own sanctuary. And I remember walking into that youth sanctuary and it was dark. Right? You, we have lights up here and it's like all nice and bright. Uh, let me explain how the sanctuary looked. Imagine this, right? Like, let's, uh, let's cut this room. This is the back, and this is right here. That's about how wide it was, right? It was long, narrow. The stage would be right about here, and you guys would be sitting right about here. Uh, yeah, just, just fathom that for a second. The speakers were not up here. They were on the ground, and you were probably sitting maybe six feet away from it. So when you think about feeling the sound of worship, oh, you felt it. 
I mean, quite literally, you felt the vibration of sound in your face. Not only that, it's dark. The stage lights aren't hanging like there. They're hanging like down where these chandeliers are. And they're, sh they're sh like right at the back of your neck. On top of that, I walked over to the corner and I found there was mold. <laughs> and so when I lit quite literally say this felt like a dark space, I mean quite literally it felt like a dark space. Um, and you could not only see it in the room, but you could also feel it from the people and the kids. And I just remember jumping in and they just sensed a frustration and reluctancy from the people about me staying. I mean, I just showed up. But their first question wasn't, how's it going? It's, how long do you plan on staying? How long do you plan on being here before you go? And it was quite the phenomenon to me that I had just come on board and there is already an expectation for me to go. And I remember just going through this and it was probably like my first two to three years of frustration of people not really willing to like buy in. And I'm pouring out this time and energy and money into like saying, guys, let's, let's do this. Let's make it happen. And it was about a year after that we go on the summer retreat. I take the kids to a summer retreat and um, there was a speaker that I was particularly close with, Pastor Peter. And he was from California, came, flew in, and I just started venting my frustration to him. Like, what do I do? What do I do? Or rather, Pastor Peter, what's the point of me being here when it feels like I'm just wasting my time on people who don't even want me? What's the point of me pouring my time and energy in people who don't really care about me being here? Brothers and sisters, have you been there before? Where you are pouring out and expending your time, your money, your energy on things or people that you just feel like it's not really worth it feels like it's a waste. Maybe you might be right there right now. You might be with those friends, you know. I talk about friendship a lot with my uh, youth group students and college kids where what's the worst kind of friend to have? Who can tell me? What's the worst kind of friend you can have? A fair weather friend? What's a fair weather friend? Only when they're going well. Okay, I'll take that. That's fair. What's, a, what's another terrible kind of friend? What was that? A fake friend. Ooh, ooh, okay. That's, okay, I see that. Give me one more. A friend that what? Oh, an influential friend who leads you away from your path. I call those just bad friends. <laughs> those are bad friends. You got to get rid of those. 
I used to tell my, I used to tell people the worst kind of friends you could have are what I call leeches, right? The one who latch on to you and suck you dry. They're the friends that uh, when you, they're the one that says, hey, let's go out to eat. And when you guys go to eat, ah, forgot my wallet, man. <laughs> I promise I'll pay you back. I'll Venmo you. And you look at those kinds of friends where you just pour your, you pour your time, your money and energy into this person, but there's no return. It feels like a one-way street. Maybe you might be feeling that with school. For those of you that are students, where you pour this time, you take out these loans and more loans on an education that you're not quite sure you're really going to commit and follow through with. There might be some of you that might be in that area of business or your occupation. Or you're pouring your heart out. You're trying to do your best. Or you're just trying, you, you have this job just to make ends meet. And you're wondering, God, where is this going? I'm exhausted. I'm tired of it. And for some of us, maybe we're in a place of like marriage. Wondering where is, why? This is exhausting. And so church, I, today I want to take a look at, I want to look at how the Bible gives us insights on how to tackle these things that just seems to be sucking us dry. And how to tackle this in light of God's character. And so if you guys have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at two parts of Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at the first half in verses 1 to 9. And then we're going to regroup again at verse 18 to 23. Do we, got it, do we got it up here on the screen? Yes? Awesome. Beautiful, beautiful. Would you all stand with me as we read the word this morning? In Matthew chapter 13, the word of God says this. Later that day, same... Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun since they did not have deep roots and they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And we see later on in verse 18, it says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receives it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they do not last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's words. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. 
The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. Produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And all God's people said, amen. May be seated. Let's pray. Gracious Father God, Lord, we just give all glory and honor to you today. Lord, life can be exhausting. Life can be draining. But Father, we come here now to receive a word from you. And so Holy Spirit, we just invite and we ask, Lord, that you would just give a fresh anointing this morning. To those that are seeking hope, would you give hope? To those who are seeking love, would you just pour out your love? For those that are seeking faith, would you give them more faith? Lord, for those that are hurting, would you bring healing? Lord, for those that are broken, would you bring restoration? Holy Spirit, just come. We invite you and we just ask your word would just come in a fresh way. And an anointing would just fall upon this place so that your people would be filled with your spirit, Lord. Come and have your way. We seal this and bind this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. See, this passage uh, is often called the parable of soils. And at the end of the story, it explains that sevenfold in, that, in this context would mean a good year for a farmer. Sevenfold would mean a good year for a farmer and tenfold would usually indicate true abundance. Thirtyfold would feed a village for a year and a hundredfold will let the farmer retire to a villa by the Sea of Galilee. <sighs> Isn't that the dream, right? Those are goals right there. Those are goals. And Jesus is, Jesus is sharing this parable and we're like, Jesus, right there, that's it. That's what I want. 30's cool, 60's alright, but 100, you already know, right? That's where we want to be, Jesus. And the bushels of abundance where this parable is leading, we love to hear that kind of message because that's a message that Sounds like a miracle. It sounds like a miracle. But to be sure, Jesus, we have to understand, he gives us, or rather he starts this parable with a good dose of realism. He kind of smacks them with a good start of reality. What do we call that? A reality check. He gives us a good reality check. And everyone in the crowd is like nodding his or her head as Jesus is describing the trials of traditional first century farming. Now, unlike American, uh, modern American farmer who carefully prepares the soil with, you know, just the right pH balance and then injects the seed into the ground, uh, farmers in Jesus' time, they simply just, you know, cast seeds and plow the land. Now, when we think about it with this almost like scattershot approach, it's no surprise that some seeds will fall on hard soil. Some seeds will fall on ground that's too rocky for good roots. And then still other seeds might fall among thorns and weeds. And the truth is, church, those are simply the facts of life, Right? Everyone knows it, including Jesus. 
both Jesus and those who follow him also knows that such facts apply not only to farming, but even to himself in his own life. Jesus, even in his own ministry, understood this. You see, the seed of his teaching had fallen on rocks and thorns as well. In the, pre in the previous chapters, the disciples are out at sea. There's a storm and they lose faith. They're hanging out with Jesus and somehow they still lose faith. On top of that, the Pharisees are here trying to hinder and choke out his message. And Jesus soon experiences this hard soul at his own hometown in Nazareth. Where the Nazarenes are rejecting him. You see, Jesus doesn't tell this parable. He doesn't simply just tell it, but he's also living it. He understands it. And likewise, we look at Matthew who, Matthew and the community that he's writing to. It's a hard time and place to be a Christian in the first century. It is. I mean, even for us today, it's hard. It's seemingly harder and harder to be Christian with all the social, political agendas that go on. And between poverty and persecution, the massive numbers of people leaving the region, and on top of that, the church itself is being filled with false prophets and teachers, Jesus reminds that the rejection of the message, hear me when I say this, church, Jesus reminds us that the rejection of the message does not mean the message is wrong, or that your efforts are wasted. It is simply a fact of life, whether it is farming or in faith, or even just life. Not everything will always go your way. And yet when we read this story, we can't help as Americans, we scratch our heads, wondering, so then why would you waste this? Why would you waste seeds and precious resources like this sower? Why would we waste our time, our energy, our money on just tossing it away? The logical place to sow seeds is... A the logical place to sow seed is, of course, where? Come on, guys. Where is it? Where is the logical place to sow the seed? The good soil, right? The good soil. Just good quality ground. That's the logical place. And we readily take that message to heart. We're like, makes sense. Of course. Don't waste my time on the hard, the rocky, or the thorny people. Don't waste my time on the hard, rocky, and thorny places. But pour and invest in the good soil. And even if we're not farmers, the lesson here is applicable to almost any and every situation in our life. Would you guys agree? Right? Makes sense. I mean, let's, let's, let's take, for example, our church here. If you're looking to plant a new church, right, to which what we are. Planting a new church, the ideal and smart way to... Church plan will be to plant it in, if we take this parable into consideration. Thank you, brother. The, 
the thing to take into consideration would be you want to plant a church where you know for sure it's going to what? Grow. You want a sure-to-grow neighborhood. And if you want to double your church membership, it'd be easy for the pastor to just craft that message that promises, that, that promising demographic and reach out to simply the people that are motivated, the people who are purposeful, and they are driven enough to receive and do something about all of this. Be strategic about, what do you say, the three L's? Location, location, location. It's true. Like any self-respecting chain or corporation or business, maximize your efforts toward the area of greatest results. It's logical. Makes sense. Everybody agrees? Yes? Can I get a good head nod? Right? Makes sense. Find the good soil and throw seeds on it. That's good business. Good business. And yet it seems obvious that this sower is anything but a good businessman. I mean, he's just willing to fling seeds anywhere. Sometimes I wonder, is he even looking? Or he's just taking back. Maybe he got his AirPods on. I don't know if they got whatever. Jesus pods, whatever. Just casting. And maybe, or rather, let's ask that question. Why would, why would he do that? What is the purpose behind just casting seeds without really considering where he's casting it to? And maybe Jesus explains, or rather Jesus shares his parable. And he does this in order to remind us that the gospel, and hear me when I say this, church, that the gospel might be bigger than just simply a good business model or principle. Maybe your faith is more than just about having a good business ideal set around your success. It's bigger than just good soil. And since this is just a story. Let's entertain the idea a little bit. Poss the possibility that this sower throws seeds just about anywhere in order to suggest that anywhere, anywhere, is perhaps the final area or the arena for God's care and redemption. See, the sower throws seeds not only on good soil, but also in the midst of the rocky, the barren, and the broken places to suggest that God's vision for the world is not just for it to be filled with good, soiled people. But rather, for his glory, so that his glory is apprehended in perhaps the strange and broken places. See, I was... Um, a couple of weeks ago, I took our youth group on a mission trip to New York City. All of my kids have never been on a mission trip. In fact, almost all of them have rarely left their life in Bergen County, where our Mawa campus is. 
And so they've been holed up in this bubble. And we were at a Indian restaurant out in Queens. And this guy walks into the restaurant and starts asking. We're, the, we're, we're actually the only people in the restaurant. There's about 13 of us. This guy comes up and starts asking us for money. One of our leaders, he was working for, he was one of our leaders that was leading us around the town and the site, actually steps out and walks out with him. And you can see all the kids immediately beginning to judge him. Oh, he probably asking for money for what? Maybe drugs, for whatever it is. Not good purpose. And it's fair because Without realizing, don't we all do the same? And our friend is gone for a considerable, considerable amount of time. To the point we, we get kind of nervous. Did something happen to him? You know, did he get jumped? He, they walked out out of sight. And we're like, yo, where is this guy? So I proceed, I come out, and I'm like looking for this guy. And they're actually at a Chinese restaurant right next door. And I walk in only to find them sitting down. And our brother is actually sharing the gospel to him. And he goes on to take, that, to take some time to pray for the person. And the man proceeds to ask, thank you. So can I still get that money? And my bro brother proceeds to still, sure. But, he's, but he, as the man leaves, he just kind of shouts out and says, I hope you find what you're looking for. Now, following that next day, my kids and I were on the train, we're on the subway, and there's a young lady with a six-month-old baby strapped to her back, walking around with a box of candy, asking anybody and everybody on the subway, will you buy some candy? And I'm looking at this, and I'm sitting down, and I watch my four, four of the youth group girls that were just standing there, and I'm watching them. They all see this woman walking by. They all see the baby on her back. And what do they do? They all look away. Friends, how many times we've also done that too? And I, and I carefully watched as this woman walked by, and she proceeds and asks, or, you know, gets up in their face and says, would you like to buy some candy? And they said, sorry, I don't have any money. She continues to walk, and I proceed to talk to my students and ask, so what do you guys think? What do you think about her? When she asks... What weighs on your heart? Why didn't you give? What would your response be? It's not a male. He's not by, she wasn't by himself. She had a baby strapped to her back, about six months old. Is she a drug dealer? Is she, is she looking out for drugs? What's your purpose for not giving? What would your reason be for not giving?
I'm sorry, and, but not sorry that I'm coming at you guys right now. But the truth is, as much as I talk about our youth kids growing up in a bubble, church, don't we do the same? We bubble ourselves up. And when that barren, rocky, or thorny soil walks by, we look the other way, almost convincing ourselves that I didn't see it or I didn't have anything to give. You know, I ask my students and I challenge them, why didn't you give? Why did you lie and say you have no money? I, don't, I know you guys have cash. You, that drink you have in your hand is proof of it. I know you got changed. So why didn't you give? The truth is, church, we get very caught up in ourselves. We get very caught up in ourselves. And in the process of getting caught up in ourselves, we also get afraid and worried about pouring out because we don't want to waste our time and energy. It's exhausting. And I understand that. Jesus understands that. But I wonder, church, if God, when he sees our lives and he shares his parable, he's not so much concerned as to whether you will be good soil as to whether you will be a faithful sower. Hear me when I say this. What if, the, what if the good soil isn't really what produces what a good sower might be, but good soil is a byproduct of a sower being faithful? What do I mean by that? Let's go back to my story. I'm talking to this pastor inventing and pouring my heart out i'm pouring my time and energy into these kids into this ministry into this church and i'm frustrated because they don't want me and i'm asking pastor peter am i wasting my time and he responds by simply saying paul while i empathize and i feel you 100 percent of the way with your ministry and your people let me ask you one simple question and church, I phrase this question to you as well. What if God never lets you see the fruit? Let me say it and ask that question again. What if God never lets you see the fruit of your labor? What if he simply asks you to cast seeds your whole life? but never lets you see the fruit of the seeds in which you have casted and planted. Would you be okay with that? It's a hard question. Would you be okay to never see the results of the labor that you endured? All that hard work. And the truth is, we have gotten so caught up with planting good seeds into good soil because we want to see our good works. 
But when you look at the stories of the Bible, you grow up, if you grew up in church, you might have heard songs of like, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So what is it? Let's just praise the Lord. Finishes off great. Let's praise the Lord. But if you really listen, if you really go into the Bible and read the story, Abraham was far from a good man. I mean, let's talk about fatherhood. God promises Abraham he will have a son. So what does Abraham do? Sleeps with his maid. Sleeps with his maid. And what's the result of it? Maid gets pregnant and wife gets pregnant. And out of it comes Ishmael and Isaac. How does that story end? Wife ain't happy. And what do we all learn as husbands? Happy wife equals happy life. Wife's not happy. What do you got to do? Boot the maid. And where does that maid end up? Single mom with the child to take care of on her own. Let me ask you, church, how is that praising God? How is that praising God? Abraham is one of the heroes of the Bible. You look at the story of David. As great as a worshiper and lover of David was, what does David do? Looks out the window, sees a beautiful woman, and is like, mm, I want that one. Finds out she's married, sends the husband where? Frontline of war to get killed. So that what? He could covet someone else's wife. Let me ask you, how is that praising God? And yet somehow, some way, church, I look at these stories and God uses broken people to draw straight lines. These crooked, jagged people to draw straight lines. Why? So that there is absolutely no confusion, no misunderstanding as to who gets the glory. The truth is, David's life, Abraham's life, was not all good soil. I look at all of us, and I look at my own life. Our whole life has not been good soils. We've all experienced thorny parts of our lives, places in our lives where we ha we've had rocks and even just barren times. And somehow, some way, we choose to opt out of what God is calling us to do because we seem to judge people because they're not good soil and say, you are not worth my time and energy. And we walk away. Church, I ask you this and I challenge you with this question. 
that maybe your life is not really meant to be centered around just being a good person, living a good life. And by simply living and doing good things for good people. But each and every one of our calling is really centered around being faithful to him. What's the point of being good soil? If you're not bringing glory into the broken places. What's the point of coming to church? If when you walk out through these doors and you see someone in need and you choose to pretend like you don't see. See, when I went on my first missions trip, I'll never forget what my youth pastor said. He said this. You will never look into the eyes of someone who is not loved by God. Let me say that again. You will never look into the eyes of somebody who is not loved by God. Every single one of those people whom you see that you may say, that's a drug dealer, that's a drug addict, that's a thief, a murderer, or that person is just evil. The hard truth is, God still loves them. My question is for you, churches, do you? Will you love them the way God loves you? There are broken people in your life. There are people in your life that are, to be honest, suffocating. There may be leeches. And some people in your life, you're just like, I got to get rid of. And I still hear you when I say, yes, you need to find good community, get plugged in, and get yourself in a healthy place. But do not settle in a place where you can just thrive in your good soil. But I want to challenge you all to step out and not be concerned so much about being the good soil over being the faithful sower. I want to encourage you all, would you take your time to cast your seeds out to even the people who might be exhausting you? Why? Because when something good comes out of it, it didn't come out because you were good. It comes out because he is good. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Father, God, Lord, it's a heavy word. It's a heavy word that brings conviction even in my own life. And even as I wrestled with this message, Jesus, I look back into my own life where I pretended I didn't see. During times in my life where I chose to walk away. And Father, I ask right now, would you forgive me for those times? Would you forgive us for the times where we didn't trust you and your faithfulness to finish the good work you had always started? Lord, forgive us for the times we got more caught up in being that good soil rather than a faithful sower. That we get more caught up in our goodness 
than being faithful to you. And so Jesus, we just ask that you you would invite us into your presence. Lord, forgive us. And even more so, God, we ask that you would give us more faith to trust in the process that you are completing. Give us the faith to cast seeds, not just into the good places, but even in the broken ones. Because God, you don't just want to see good people fill the earth. You want to see all of your people fill the earth. You want to see your whole family come back home. Give us faith to go and be faithful to you, Jesus. We ask more of you and less of me. Less of me, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.